Cal's unwatchable upset train rolls on. They beat USC to end a losing streak against the Trojans that dated back to 2003. All that and more on this week's Eligible Receivers. For Eric, I'm Warren. Let's start the show. Hello, blog fans. Please welcome Eric. Warren, how does it feel to have the male gaze turned on you? This is Eligible Receivers, the show where we review last week's Pac-12 action, pick next week's Pac-12 games against the spread, and keep track of how we're doing on our picks over the course of the season. We're starting off last week's Pac-12 action. Everybody was in conference. Washington and Arizona were on a bye, but we started off, let's say, with Arizona State at home. Senior day for Manny Wilkins. Uh, They hosted UCLA, and I'll tell you what, the Fighting Herms... Like, people didn't even know if they were going to be able to field a football team that ran competent plays this year. Herm Edwards was so out of sorts when he was hired. They're bowl eligible. They went at 31-28. to 28. Yeah, I mean, this game played out, I think, as we discussed it with last week, um, in terms of, you know, ASU's going to win the game, but UCLA's kind of looking better every week. Um, but the Herms are just like, a, you know, like a real button-down outfit right now. They're... They run a real NFL style offense and they're just they're real business like, you know. I, I like those Herms. I like them too, you know, and I like Manny Wilkins a lot. And I like, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, college football, as we've discussed many times, is a terrible sport where like these poor kids are putting their bodies on the line and not making a cent off it, you know, in exchange for like their education, which is uh, uh, significantly curtailed by their football obligations while they're there. But uh, at the end of the game, he was giving an interview where he was tearing up, talking about how much Arizona State meant to him, and I'm a sucker for that sort of thing. Yeah, it's not all bad. I mean, yeah. I think there's certainly a number of, of students who, um, you know, come from challenging backgrounds. Like Nikhil Harry, you know, grew up out of the country, moved to Arizona um, with his grandmother, was raised by her for the most part, and he's another one where, I mean, he, he's playing football for free now. He won't be for long. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think there's there, – college football has its redeeming qualities. I think just sort of taking in the aggregate, you can kind of look at the number of amateur athletes that are that are fueling the millions and millions of dollars for the coaching, you know, coaching staffs and the execs. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm a sucker for, for senior day. I'm a sucker for four-year, you know, four-year players and for guys like I – don't, I don't know that Manny Wilkins is a four-year guy, but he, you know, he certainly has been around there for a while and – you know, a real, a real quality Pac-12 player, that Manny Wilkins. Yeah, yeah, I like a good, I like a good Pac-12, good Pac-12 player, you know, who's like probably going to like go to the league, back up, maybe start like a half dozen games, you know, because somebody gets hurt ahead of him. But, you know, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen to him in the pros? But, you know, the odds are not much. Uh, but, yeah, it's, a, it's still something to be said for a guy who's just good in the league, you know, good college player. Absolutely. All righty. Uh, how about Utah hosting Oregon? Utah was all over them early and held on for the win late. Utah, 32 to 25 winners. The week after Utah is, you know, tripping over their own dicks and blowing the Pac-12 South, they turn around to beat an Oregon team who you correctly assessed has shown a lot of weakness in terms of being a road team. Oregon, uh, you know, John Canzano's writing columns about them when they beat Washington because Washington couldn't make a 30-something yard field goal there at the end of the game that Mario Cristobal has stamped his imprimatur on the program and Oregon is back. Well, I'll tell you what, they're, they have a losing record in conference and they look like they were lucky to bank their six home wins early in the season. Five, right? They're five and five. 
Uh, I have them at six and four. Six and four? Yeah, so they're going bowling, but, you know, people thought it was going to be eight wins, nine wins. Yeah, I mean, they're just not... It's you've, you and I have talked about it a number of times, and we were a little shook early in the season when they looked gangbusters. But you just don't, you just don't, you know, conjure a playoff quality team, particularly out of the Pac-12. Like that's not how it works. You, you know, maybe you can argue there's some SEC teams where you get, you know, like the Georgias of the world or a Tennessee if the situation's correct, or maybe a Florida State out of the ACC, um, where if you know the the combination of ingredients is correct the coach that shows up actually has a roster that's you know loaded with talent and so you know you can immediately stamp you know put some magic in into that and, and create a legitimately um great contenders quality of a team but the pac-12 doesn't have that oregon doesn't have that they're on their third coach in three years um and they don't they don't play well on the road they haven't all year they you know they had a, a very, very soft schedule coming into the season, and they took advantage of it, so credit to them. They're doing really well in recruiting. I don't know that it reflects poorly on Cristobal's like, overall trajectory as a coach, but this you know, this year, it just wasn't going to be the year, you know? Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it's still, still like a fine season, keep grinding away, but yeah, there's no quick fixes at this level. And here's the thing about John Canzano. John Canzano's job, like let's like let's dispel any myth that his job is anything other than this. He's an advertising salesman, right? He sells advertising for a living. So of course he's the guy who's, you know, pounding the drum early in the season. He does just as much negative, you know, coverage as he does positive. He does, early yeah. In season, early in the season, he recognized that there was positive momentum. That the you know the the uh, geographic that he's speaking to wants desperately to believe that Oregon is a, a you know a national contender again and that Justin Herbert's a Heisman candidate and so that's what he's going to say not because he cares about the quality of his analysis but because it sells advertising on his radio shows you know and and makes his publication I think he's like Oregon Live or whatever whatever is whatever is, is you know that he writes for it makes them more desirable for advertising. You know, that's it. That's the whole thing with, with guys like him. So yeah, I read all that stuff early in the year and I was, you know, mildly put off by it at first, but then I was like, you know what, that probably plays really well with the, like the, the group of people that he's talking to. He has no incentive whatsoever to be like, you know, guys, they probably, if you look at the recruiting over the last four years and you look at the Helfrich to Taggart to Cristobal, you know, it you know they may catch lightning in a bottle every once in a while, but they're probably not going to be a contender. Like, he, why would he do that? He's not going to do that. He's just going to say exactly what it is that he knows will get the most reaction out of the people who listen and read what he has to you know put out there, and that's what he did. Yep. Um. Yeah. And then the the other thing I wanted to talk about from this game for on the Oregon side, Dylan Mitchell catches eight balls for 169 yards and two touchdowns. Okay. Uh, number one quarterback on the board, I believe for this next year is still Justin Herbert, you know, should he choose to leave? Uh, uh Oh, dog action. They're upset, dude. They're upset. They're out. They're out front. He's thinking what I'm thinking. Let's look. Can we talk about how Dylan Mitchell makes Justin Herbert? 
Oh, well, I mean, Justin Herbert doesn't look at anybody else. I mean, he 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 forces the ball to Dylan Mitchell a lot. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, they're the, he's really their only quality receiver this year. They've I think coming into the year their receiving core was sort of a question mark, and he's been sort of a, a – I mean, not pleasant surprise, but he's definitely stepped up more than anybody else. But, man, he's all they've got when it comes to that receiving core. Yeah. So that guy is a hell of a player. And, he, yeah. frankly, to me, he's more impressive when I watch Oregon than Herbert. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure that Herbert's like coming out now. I, I don't know that he's had the season to justify it. Well, here's the deal. If you are the number one quarterback on the board, better go. You know? That's, Is he? Uh, I, guess, I guess I don't know. I haven't looked it up. I'll kind of look it up as we're going along and talking about other games. But uh, to me, it's like all you can do is be exposed, you know? Like, just go get some money. Oh, I agree with that. I mean, I, I, I sort of call that the Tony Roten theory, right? Which was at the end of his freshman year at Washington, Tony Roten was, I think he was the Pac-12 freshman of the year. He may have been like the Pac-12 MVP. Um, Washington, you know, won the Pac-12 conference, although they didn't get invited to the NCAA tournament. What a year. Uh, what, a, what a year that was. But anyways, at the end of that year, there was like one question that was left open when it came to Tony Roten, right? Which is like, can he learn to hit a jump shot? Yep. And there were two ways that he could answer that question. One was get paid to answer that question, and two was he could do it for free. And it turns out the answer to that question is no, but at least he got paid to answer that question because he went in the first round, he got his first contract, you know, he had a hard time with his jump shot and yeah. didn't play particularly well. Um, but he, you know, he could have played his way out of the NBA by staying at Washington his sophomore and junior year. He didn't. He came into, you know, he went to the NBA. He got picked in the first round. He got that guaranteed first deal. And at least he got paid what he got paid to let everybody know that this was going to be a challenge for him. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Uh, next up, we had Stanford and Oregon State. Stanford were 24, 24 plus point favorites in this game. Uh, a Stanford team not famous for scoring. Uh, so surely Oregon State, who have looked plucky on offense, are going to be able to come in and stay inside that number. Not the case. Stanford opens it up. 48-17 to 17 winners. A wounded Stanford, uh, you know, fight for some measure of their pride and stomp on the Beavers. What is it? Uh, Parkinson had four touchdowns in this game, I think. Cody Parkinson, like six foot seven wide receiver that they've got. Um, that, that's pretty good because I believe our Sega Whiteside was still out, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's a pretty good that's a pretty good stat line. If you have four four touchdowns in the game and you're a receiver, that'll that'll get it done in fantasy, that's for sure. Um yeah, I mean, you know, I you and I both uh projected this as free money based on the fact that we both thought Oregon State was gonna score a bunch. They did not. And uh Stanford was just not famous for running it up, went ahead and ran it up. Yeah. What was interesting about that is that I mean, that line was still in play into the fourth quarter of that game, you know. I mean like they they end up winning by it's a touchdown away from a push, you know. Yeah, like I can tell you that JJ Arcega Whiteside is now projected as the twelfth pick in the draft, and you are correct. Justin Herbert is the first quarterback in the projected draft, at least on CBSSports.com, but he's not taken until the tenth pick. Go 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 go! Go, <laughs> Teams that you, you will note there are, as every year, a third of the NFL teams desperately need a quarterback. Yes. <laughs> That's uh, they will figure out a way to love you. They like they did with Josh Allen, you know. 
or Kyle or Kyle Bowler or anyone. I believe Matt Barkley started a game this past week. God bless that guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here's a game that was more close than good, uh, but interesting, I suppose. Uh, California and USC combined for a two-quarter game, where the first quarter, as gentlemen, institutions, they choose not to score, and then the fourth quarter they chose not to score. So who could get it done in the second and third? USC, 14 points in the second quarter. California, touche, 15 points in the third quarter. They win by one. USC is 5-5 and and 4-4 and in the conference. And somehow... I, 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 Kelly Hilton has not been fired yet, right? I, I knew that someone was five and five. Uh, now he's still there. What? How? Uh, yeah, well, there's no excuse for that. <laughs> 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 there's no, I can't, there's, there's no justification for him being there. Yeah. Cause it's like, you know, like people talk about that. Like, I mean, when USC is like this, they're just like the, you know, prestigious UCLA in terms of football. You know, because like UCLA is famously the school that five-star recruits go to, uh, to like enjoy college, you know, yeah. not, not worry too much about the winning the games and stuff like that. USC is the school that five-star recruits go to, uh, to like win a ton of games and go to the NFL. And what is, how can this be? How can this be for the Trojans? It's absolutely unacceptable. I saw a great quote, a tweet from a LA beat writer. <laughs> so, you know, as they all, they, everyone always anxiously awaits for the time of the games to come out, you know, so they can tell you where, like, when and where you can see the game. So the game will be at, you know, kickoff at X o'clock and it'll be on the Pac 12, whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> the tweet was like, this upcoming UCL, the, the, you know, the USC UCLA game this week will kick off at 5 a.m. and will be showed on the Learning Channel. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this has got to be the worst one of those games maybe ever. Um, it is. From a record standpoint, it is, I believe. That is poor. Oh, yeah. no. Um, I'd love if the chipper found a way in this one. He might, man. I'm, I haven't talked myself out of picking the chipper in this one. Now, is USC yet to play Notre Dame still? Correct. So they need the game against UCLA to make bowl eligibility because, uh, you know, a non-sanctioned, non—you know—they're not banned from bowls. They don't have a scholarship production. A ostensibly full, you know, power USC program might not make a bowl. Yeah. Oh, would that be hilarious? In a year when the Pac-12 South, shall we say, is not necessarily uh, the most powerhouse conference uh, division you've ever seen. And they're out of it. They're out of it for that. With. Uh... Because they don't have a tiebreaker over Utah. So Utah already has the five wins. And then, like, who else? Utah's got to be in the lead in that division, right? They got Hermed out, man. Herm showed up, and they just couldn't hack it. Yeah, Herm got him. Utah got him. Yeah, dude, this is this is what is happening. How do they, Washington State, they're Washington State's sole loss on the year. I know. You usually think, well, yeah, that's fine. Sometimes you go to L.A. and use, lose to USC. That's pretty standard. But yeah. now you're looking back on that as a missed opportunity. Bad loss, yeah. And then there's some poor officiating in that game that the WSU fans are so upset about. Yeah, you got to get USC bowl eligible. 
Yeah. I wonder if they're projected to go to some horseshit. But they're legitimate. There's no way in the world they're beating Notre Dame this year. No. Yeah. So they're like legitimately six and six is the ceiling for them. Yeah. And, and like the Las Vegas Bowl, which they might not even go to. They might. I mean, like they may just not show up for it. Ouch. Yeah. Because like, uh, you know, they could. Yeah. I mean, like they're going to be playing their bowl game to be the USC team that finishes with a losing record. And they don't want that. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, that makes sense. They might want to just say, we're going to fire Clay Hilton and call it good for that. We're good. Thanks. Thank you. Seniors. Uh, Washington state unable to beat this bad USC team, but they did play Colorado at Colorado. And I'll tell you what, one of the more impressive performances for Washington state this year, uh, they were the better team than Colorado and put it on them. Uh, their defense holds Colorado to seven points, their defense, which has been, uh, frankly, uh, one of the most impressive aspects of them this season is how, uh, professional and consistent their defense has been this year, but yeah, big win for the Cougs. They are at home against or, uh, Arizona this week and then the apple cup, but they remain controlling their own destiny and remain a fringe, a fringe, uh, college football playoff team. Yeah. And they won this game. Like, as you said, they, they put it on Colorado, but they won this game the way that good teams win games, which is, you know, they kind of, it, it was a back and forth for a while, but you could just see that the Cougs were the better squad. Yeah. And they leaned on Colorado and then when Colorado wobbled, it was just the Cougs just pounced, and that was it. Yeah, and you know, were, and then they were up three scores. You know, like before you even knew what happened. I mean, and that's exactly what good teams do to teams that are struggling. Which is, it may be, you know, it, they were on the road, you know, the altitude, it was windy, whatever. I mean, the first half, you know, it was a, it was a game, but you could tell that the Cougs were the better squad, and they just leaned on them. And then eventually, Colorado, as the lesser team, cracked, and that was that was all to. Yeah. And like, there's a phrase I like uh, watching soccer games uh, that is kind of a version of that. When they talk about a team is going through the gears, like when like Man City is getting like stymied for a half hour against like Southampton or something like that, and then they just kind of you know you know turn it up one gear, turn it up another gear, and then all of a sudden they just you know they win three to zero going away. Yeah, they find that gear that the other team doesn't have. Exactly. They they know they have more, and they will kind of you know, steadily get up to it. Uh, and then the other team just can't keep up with them. Yeah. So extremely solid. So I'll tell you what, on picks this week, I did not do very well. Didn't go good. (laughs) Yeah. I was close. I was close to, frankly, I would almost rather have missed all of them. I ended up going one and four, but it's impressive to get all one result. I say either all wins or all losses. You've done something extraordinary. Yeah, you were, you flirted with it. I mean, we it's very rare that we have that. As you know, we we color coordinate our our spreadsheet here. It's very rare to have the all green or all red column. And you were close, um, but Cal Cal stepped up for you and at half way, at halftime of that USC Cal game. You were I, feeling good. Yeah, yeah. I was I was I was nine points to the good, and then until Cal came roaring back. Yeah. What one thing I wanted to say about Cal, I didn't say that Evan Weaver guy. He had some words about how Washington had a bad culture after Cal upset Washington at home. That guy's a pretty good football player. He was making plays against USC too. He is. He is a good football player. I look forward to him coming up here next year because that's like that's such a beautiful locker room material. Yeah. Every every Husky player is going to talk about that. I hope the little button that they hand out at the Husky games mentions that somehow. You know, like culture clash or something. Yeah. 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 Like that guy. 
needs to to learn. And I believe he's from Marysville, or he's from the state of Washington. Is he? Um, I don't know if I'm if I'm right about that. Um, let me check. But I I do know that that when he comes up here, I'm Spokane. Yeah, we go. So I'm looking forward to seeing that young young man up here next year for the game. That'll be fun. G prep. There you go. That guy's got a real uh, like, like jo- Joey Midwestern face. He should be in the Big Ten. I feel like the G prep to Cal Berkeley. He should be uh, should be like a, a field hockey player. Yeah, exactly, dude. Yeah, you're, you know, you'd spend yeah. the, the your entire life trying to prove to people that you're tough, but you know, go to a mean school. Yeah. All right. Uh, so you did you did much better than I did on the picks, as did uh, Dirty Worm, right? Uh, ish. We both went three and two. We uh, sit at forty-seven twenty-nine and one. He sits at forty-five thirty-one and one. And you are at thirty-nine thirty-seven and one. I have brought five hundred into play. Potentially, I don't know. Elim- maybe eliminated. I guess we have eight, eight games left to pick, so it's possible you're going to have to figure out a way to get on the other side of both Worm and me. And I, it's going to be a challenge. <laughs> it's going to be. It's going to be a challenge. Yeah. All righty, so uh, let's go ahead and pick next week's games. We'll start off with the game that I'm not aware if it has a name yet, uh, Utah and Colorado. The The last two teams battle. <laughs> That's what yeah. it is for yeah. the Pac-12. Uh, Utah are seven-point favorites in this game. Jason Shelley, I didn't remark upon uh, in the Oregon game. That was a, a surprising thing because uh, Utah was on to a redshirt freshman quarterback in this game, and – that guy, uh, he, he looked a lot like a uh, your kind of solid Utah quarterbacks uh, of old in terms of like not the best thrower in the world, but he ran a couple in, you know, it, but, you know, not like a Khalil Tate game breaking runner, but just can run it up tough sometimes, like scored in short yardage goal to go situations. Yeah. Uh, and, he, you know, he was he was competent, dude. He was he was uh, a fully adequate guy. Colorado. You know, by virtue of their fantastic start to the season, they're still a game away from bowl eligibility, you know? Yeah. And then the other news we didn't talk about with Colorado is that there were reports that uh, Mike McIntyre in Colorado might part ways after the season, which I was kind of surprised about. Uh, It it seemed kind of weird to me. But they, they, I mean, other than they caught lightning in a bottle a couple years ago and got to 2016 and got to the Pac-12 championship, I mean, they, they've really been pretty bad the last couple of years. But um, Utah's also without Moss, their running back. He's injured himself. Didn't play last week either, so they seem to be okay. Um, I don't know. Colorado seems like such a mess to me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to go to Utah here. Uh, one last ride for Mike and the Buffs. <laughs> you have to. You yeah. have to. You know, got a, a dirty worm takes Utah here. I take Utah. You got you to gotta make your move. Uh, what I like about this game is on the uh, box preview thing, the players to watch thing, uh, no running back listed for either team. Nothing to see here. Yeah. It's, it's going to be an aerial display. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All righty. Uh, the aforementioned USC-UCLA game, uh, worst one by record uh, in years. I'll take that as gospel. Uh, we've got USC as mere three-and-a-half-point favorites on the road in always hostile Pasadena and going to be in front of a good 37,000 people. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, this is a tough one for me. UCLA's defense isn't any good, but their offense is okay. But USC's defense is pretty good, but USC's offense isn't any good. 
Uh, it's just a tough – it's a tough uh, – but as you mentioned earlier, USC's got to have this game. I mean, they got to have it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to them, USC. Another opportunity for you. Uh, no, nah, I'm going to take USC in this game also because I, I, to me it's like – uh, a, a part of the reason teams as talented as USC uh, go through seasons like this uh, is inconsistent effort, you know, to go along with poor coaching and poor execution. But uh, the one thing that's there in rivalry games, I like talent, pure talent a lot in rivalry games because people show up and they play as hard as they've played all year. So I like USC to cover this one easy. All right. All right. Next up, let's go to, oh, I clicked the wrong tab there. How about Stanford and California? All was early, the big game. Stanford are only two point favorites in this game, and all of a sudden we've got two teams at six and four in the conference. Uh, Cal, if they can manage to beat Stanford and they are at home, uh, all of a sudden flip flop and become you know they essentially finish ahead of them. They'll finish uh, well. I guess each of them has a conference game after this, so we'll see. But I mean, Cal, big opportunity to take a big step. Uh, under Justin Wilcox and beat Stanford, a vulnerable Stanford, and a plucky Cal team. Give me Stanford. I am going to take Cal in this game. And oh. here, here's the reason. This is something we used to talk about a lot when Wilcox was the coordinator at Washington. Cal's defense, th- their offense is a shit show, which is a shame because we've spent years talking about how good Bo Baldwin is and somebody needs to give him a job. Their offense is awful in Cal. I'm going to give him a job, and it's been a freaking Yeah, we got we got to admit that maybe that was a mistake. Uh, but their defense is lights out. And the one thing the Wilcox defenses were always good about were uh, clamping down on a team that runs a relatively conventional offense, you know, as Stanford does. You know, they would get lit up by the spread. Wilcox was always getting lit up by Oregon. Uh, but when they would play teams that just did normal things, uh, kind of standard football, uh, Wilcox knows how to stop that. And so USC two years in a row. Yeah. So give me, give me Cal in this game. Uh, give me some points at home. I got a home dog, right? I love it. That was remarkable analysis there. Someone should pay you for that. That was, that was well, well stated. Yeah. So that's, that's how I feel about that. I have a reason for that. So yeah. Stanford, Stanford's going to win by 30 points. Uh, Arizona and Washington state. The Cougs are nine and a half point favorites at home. Arizona is coming off a bye in this game. They do have to travel to the Palouse. The The Palouse uh, is, uh, the frankly, the happiest place on earth for college football this season. Uh, uh, an exultant experience. The fans are going to be there ready for a win. Uh, but Arizona has really come on, you know, with J.J. Taylor, the diminutive J.J. Taylor. I believe that guy's only like 5'6" but uh, having a monster year for them running the ball. Khalil Tate evolving as a passer, interested to see what the week off did for the health of his leg. Uh, This is a dangerous game for Washington State. And when we're talking Washington State, we're talking about the all-time Kings are tripping over their own dicks at some point. It's happening either this week or next week. They're they're losing one of these, at least one of these. The other problem in this game is they're not playing for anything. I mean, I guess they're technically playing to stay on the playoff, you know, on the playoff fringe. But yep. they will be playing the Apple Cup for the opportunity to go to the Pac-12 North Championship game, like, or the Pac-12 Championship game. Yep. Now, technically Washington could lose this week and they could, you know, clinch it by not doing anything. But in all likelihood, the Apple Cup is going to be the decider in that. Um, 
And and so they're not playing for anything. And I to me it's just it's too big of a spread. It's nine and a half points. Um I don't know. Arizona doesn't have the craziest defense out there, but um I'm with you. I I, I look at this, I'm a little look askance at the spread. I think WSU wins this game, but like I could see like a twenty-six to twenty kind of a game. You know what I mean? Like that's that's how it feels to me, where they come out similar to the first half in last week's game where they're kind of slow. You know, it's not getting out of the gates great. And then they they turn it on late and they win the game. But Khalil Tate is, you know, that's the, the Arizona offense is so much better than what Colorado has that, you know, and Khalil Tate can take advantage of that speed that WSU brings on defense. It, it, to me, it's a, it's, a, it's going to be yeah. a much better game than a nine and a half point spread would suggest. Yeah. I mean, if that leg had any opportunity to get healthy this year, the bye week, you know, certainly would have helped that. And, uh, Khalil Tate will be like, you know, uh, Crocodile Dundee, that speed defense. He'd be like, you call that speed, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, I, I mean, this is this this is a close game. I Don't let the spread fool you. That said, I think the, the clock only strikes 11 for the Cougs. I think they win two, and I'll, I'll take them to the cover. All right. But I like that Arizona pick you made a lot. I think that's... I think that's sound. Uh, Arizona State at Oregon. Now, here's here's a crazy thought. Haven't these teams played four times already this year? I don't know. That's like the sense I get from looking at this game. I'm like, didn't I see this already somehow? It does have an oddly familiar ring to it. But <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't understand this line at Oregon minus four. Oregon is, is sucking wind right now, and Arizona State has been – a professional outfit. I mean, like they have just looked good week in and week out. I guess, I guess the Austin stadium bump maybe, but I, I feel like Arizona state is going to play the same kind of offense. They played against everybody else where they're just going to hand it to, you know, Benjamin, they're going to let Nikhil Harry get loose a couple times. They're just going to, you know, they're going to do their thing. And on defense, they're just going to be like, well, let's take Dylan Mitchell away. And that's going to be that. Um, I, I, I would pick ASU to win this game. Like outright. That is that's that makes a lot of sense to me. I'm I'm gonna take Oregon to win this game. I'm gonna say they get their their home magic going again and just uh kind of chalk them up to be like a like an EKG type of team that where you get a lot of inconsistent effort and say they're able to put it together. Arizona State, uh, maybe looking ahead to their rivalry game. I've already clinched bowl eligibility, and they're going to Autzen, where Oregon's been tough this year. Where if you, uh, you know, you probably flip flop the Stanford and Washington results in terms of what ought to have happened in those games. You know, like the Oregon really blew it against Stanford; they should have won that game. And f- frankly, Washington should have just made that kick at the end, you know, and beat them in that game. But yeah, Oregon has been tough at home all year. They haven't really played many anybody at home this year. Uh, except for Stanford and Washington, but uh, they split those games. Arizona State probably their third toughest home game, but I've, I'll give I'll I'll give it give me the Ducks in this one to win by a score, win by a touchdown. All right. And that brings us to Oregon State and Washington. Okay, listen, here's the deal. Uh, uh, I thought Oregon State was good money against Stanford at 24 points, getting 24 points. Uh, I I love them getting 32 points. You know, I'm going to pick Washington because that's the rules. But uh, we'll dictate a Washington pick here, but this does certainly appear to be the free money of the week. Yeah, this is this is a mistake <laughs> because, like, 
especially uh, if there's any question left over for Miles Gaskin's health, right? They, he's going to be on a pitch count. Uh, and uh, it turns out that he is crucial to making Washington's offensive line look like competent run blockers, you know? Like, McGrew and Pleasant can get in there and, like, kind of, you know, make it sort of look like a regular college football team. But Miles Gaskin is the thing that makes that rushing game special. Uh, so, I don't know. Uh, to me, I'm kind of, yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd be surprised. Senior day for the dogs, though. Senior day for Jake Browning. Good for him, man. You guys put up a lot of nonsense in those four years, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, the guy's like the all-time passing leader at the school, uh, was Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year, Pac-12 Champion, beat Oregon twice. Took us to the playoffs, you know. Yeah. Pretty pretty good career when you look back on it. Yeah, probably got to be our all-time leader in wins, you know, uh, as a starting quarterback. So uh, definitely a day he deserves. Miles, a day he deserves, you know, uh, an equally great Washington career. A uh, lot of good players who've been around for the most successful stretch in this program's history uh, since the turn of the millennium. You know, like a lot of guys who were here when Washington got back to being a, a first-tier Pac-12 program. So it'll be, hopefully, you know, the team's able to rally around that and kind of get out there and win comfortably, nobody get hurt, and look ahead to the old Apple Cup. I love it. All righty. That does it for this week's episode of Eligible Receivers. For Eric, I'm Warren. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week. I'm on the cruise and I'm the